welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, notes, and banter. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. I am Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I am here with Sarah, and we are enjoying the the last day of our holiday weekend, maybe a little too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, both of us are recording on Monday morning, and we're a little bit, I don't even know what the word is, but hopefully this goes well. I hesitate to use the word mess, but I kind of feel like that's appropriate. I'm kind of a mess right now, but that's okay. I'm here, and we're going to do this, and it's going to be awesome. You know, I, I just, I'm, let's just say everybody is lucky that I got my coffee this morning. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, I think that will cut my mess factor in half <laughs> if we're lucky. So I should chug my monster is what you're telling me. Maybe, maybe that'll help. <laughs> on it, on exactly it. Exactly what people need is us caffeinated on Memorial Day. Um, So let's look back at this red series, which my, what is going on? Like, the Reds, the Reds are going to be the team that the Cubs cannot vanquish in 2019. Is that really what's happening? Am I, am I losing it? I mean, they kind of feel like our kryptonite this year, don't they? Um, I read a stat this morning that is so very alarming to me. And I don't know if this says more about our pitching this weekend or more about a Reds team that is totally flying under the radar, but um, they had 42 hits against us in three games. My God. 42 hits. That's the most hits that the Reds have had against the Cubs in any series at Wrigley since 1976. Like, hello. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that is. I mean, that's what it felt like, though. It really felt like the balls were just dropping for the Reds constantly, particularly in Sunday's game where the Reds had 17 hits. Andy, they had 17 hits, 12 of them off the starter, Jose Quintana, and they weren't, it's not like they were all hard hit balls that just, you know, that's terrible contact. A lot of them were these little bloopers or they just kind of like found a spot. The entire first inning felt like, oh, it's going to be one of those days where everything the Reds hit falls for a hit and there's just nothing anybody can do about it. You know, and having been on the other side of that, like, you know, I've been out on defense before when those hits, those seeing eye hits, as we like to call them, just one right after another. It is so absolutely infuriating because it's, there's just nothing you can do. I mean, it's, you, you hate to give too much credit to the hitters on those because you kind of feel like those are very fluky, but at the same time, I mean, it's like, how, how does that work? Like, how do you train for that? How do you make that happen? Because yeah, these hits were just one after another in holes and soft and in in the right place. And it was just ugh, so frustrating. So frustrating. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't think you train for that. It just kind of happens. And Lady Babib was not on the side of the Cubs in game three, which we can keep talking about game three since we're there for a second. But the Cubs also had a bunch of hits. Actually, the heart of the lineup, Rizzo. Javi and Wilson all had really good games, but they did all of their damage after there were two outs. And so it felt like none of those guys came home to score early because the third out would happen. They'd just be left stranded there. Or in the case of Rizzo, he gets thrown out at the plate. And it's just sort of like, oh, it's going to be one of these games where nothing comes of the hits that the Cubs have and the Reds just like keep plating runs. (laughs) 
Well, yeah. And, you know, you hate to see this kind of thing happen against a team like the Reds because you know that the Cubs can manufacture runs. They've done it. We've seen it. It just it wasn't their day yesterday. And and yeah, it's good to see solid games out of Javi Rizzo and Wilson. But at the same time, it's like, man, we got to have somebody step up and and, you know, really produce behind them because, you know, if, if they're getting on base at the rate that they're getting on base, we need to get them in. They need to be scoring. It should not have been 10 to 2. Definitely not. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, one of the differences that I think you can see from late April, early May to now is that there were some other guys in the lineup who were producing a little bit more. It felt like David Bodie was producing. Uh, also, Daniel Descalso has kind of dropped his production numbers are just like off a cliff <laughs> right now. Um, and I agree, we there need to be some players other than I'm going to add Chris Bryant in here. He didn't have a great game yesterday, and we'll absolutely talk about Chris Bryant more in a second. But Chris Bryant, Javi, Rizzo, and Wilson producing for the team, producing offensively. Yeah, um, and I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into Bryant because I just read something that just came out. He's actually going to be out today. Um, Ian Hayward is out as well. And... um, I didn't I didn't get to watch the game live. I went back and watched a lot of the replay and um the collision they had in in right center was really alarming, but I did I am reading that um he's still under evaluation and they don't really have anything um no diagnosis yet other than, you know, they're just watching him. But he is with the team, so that's positive, but um our call up Jim Aducci will be starting at right today. So this this ought to be another interesting okay. game. Oh, man. Okay, well, we're definitely going to have to talk about Jim Aducci making his debut against the <laughs> Astros. Yeah. Um, that play was so aggravating for a lot of reasons. The Cubs were already down by a lot, and I understand why Bryant's out there, and I understand that Bryant plays a lot of innings in the outfield. He's not a natural outfielder. He's a natural third baseman. He has to know that when the center fielder is calling the ball, you back off. And I, it was so, I, I'm so upset about that play because it's a totally avoidable injury you let the center fielder call the ball and that didn't happen and we I two very large human beings ran into each other and are both out for a day as a result of it and it's just a frustrating mental lapse and I really hope both of them are okay I really hope there's no um lasting effects of any of that that nothing lingers or anything in a long season you always worry about collisions like that having lingering issues or somebody dealing with pain and trying to play through it but I was really frustrated to see that happen on something that is it 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 should never happen the center fielder should call the ball and the right fielder should back off a hundred percent. Your center fielder is the captain of the outfield, just like shortstop is the captain of the infield. I mean, the second you hear anything come from him calling for the ball, whatever it is, you back off. That's his ball. That's just, that's what you're taught as, as an outfielder. And granted, you know, Chris Bryant has been pretty evenly split amongst infield outfield play, but you know, that's still, that's such a, it's such a, a, you know, very core thing to remember about outfield is that center fielder, if he's calling for it, that's him. You know, you got to back off of that. So yeah, totally preventable and and really hard to watch that because two guys that you really feel like were, you know, Hayward has, has 
has kind of coasted a little bit, but you feel like he was starting to get a little bit heated up the past two games. Um, he had a couple great at bats, had hit a home run, basket shot. But you know, you hate to see that. You hate to see anybody miss miss a game because of something that is totally preventable. And and yeah, it definitely hurts. So we'll be watching to see you know when they're back in the lineup. Hopefully as as early as tomorrow, I would say. Yeah, I'm I'm really bummed to hear that neither of them will be in the lineup. I was kind of hopeful that maybe KB would be able to DH. Uh, and not play the field. But one of the nice things about the American League is obviously you can have a designated hitter. It appears that's not the case. So that's quite the bummer. Um, The last thing I'm going to say about this game, and then we're just going to put game three (laughs) to rest, is that Victor Caratini pitched. And anytime you've got a position player on the mound, things have gone terribly wrong. He actually, you know, was up there with like 65, 67 mile an hour. They were calling it a fastball. I'm not sure what it was. You should really go back and look at tape of this. His his release point is a little bit funky. Um, but unfortunately for Victor Caratini, he is not the greatest relief pitcher ever. That's still going to be Anthony Rizzo. Victor Caratini gave up a two-run home run to Casali. Which was his first home run of the year, by the way. So um, if that means anything to anybody. Yeah, it's always it's never a good look. You never want to see that. And I was kind of I was um, had an event yesterday. So I was kind of in and out watching when I could. And I happened to turn on the game when Caratini was on the mound. And, you know, a million dollars for my facial expression to see that on my phone when I'm in the middle of an event. But it was like, yeah, no, this 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 game is let's just go ahead and and finish this up and move on (laughs) because it's it's never a good luck when you're when you're doing that and you hate to see that it does happen this is a long season you know it's probably not the last time it's going to happen but you know hopefully close to the last time we'll just say that (laughs) yeah I agree let's not have many more position players pitching uh game two let's talk about game two which is a little bit of a happier subject you Darvish had his longest outing for the Cubs to date. He threw seven plus innings and, you know, to be fair, based on pitch count and the state of the bullpen, I was, I was really okay with him coming out for the seventh inning. I know there was a lot of talk on Cubs Twitter that maybe he shouldn't have come out for the seventh. He was great in the seventh. There is this, as he comes off the mound in the seventh, he really channeled his inner Pedro Strope there and did kind of like the fist bump yell. And I, I, you could tell that he had put, everything he had out there to get through that seventh inning unscathed. And so I found it absolutely mind boggling that Joe sent him out for the eighth beyond the fact that his pitch count at that point was way higher than anything that you has ever done for the Cubs. He clearly gassed was gassed at the end of the seventh inning. He was done. He had gotten through it. He was successful and he was done. And I was really frustrated to see him come out for the eighth and he didn't do very well. He gave up the lead, uh, left with a tie game. I don't know, Andy, what did you think about you Darvish Darvish pitching in the seventh and eighth? So, okay, here's my thought on this. We like, there's been a couple of his starts where we've scratched our heads, like, you know, in the fifth inning when he's getting yanked, um, why, you know, why let him recover, let him get through some adversity, let him try and, you know, finish an inning. So 
I appreciate the fact that he was out there in the seventh. He looked fantastic. Loved the loved the emotion when he was coming off the mound. That was great. I could not help but smile because you love to see that from from him. You feel like he's overcoming a lot when he's striking up Puig right there. Yet to see him come back out in the eighth was like another head scratcher. Like it's like pick your poison. Either he's not, you don't feel like he's getting the opportunity to go long enough or then he's going too long. So, you know, which is it? Like if we're really in a spot where we're trying to help this kid regain his confidence and feel good about an outing, why in the heck is he back out there in the eighth after he just did what he did in the seventh? Like, I just, I I didn't get that at all. Um, Again, I don't, you know, I can't put major league you know, manager on my resume. But at the same time, it's like, man, I I would really love to know what the reasoning is behind this, because this is just mind boggling to me, you know, let him finish this game, closing out an inning with a great strikeout, you know, just let that be it. Why, 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 why do we have to go back out there in the eighth? I, I, I just, I was so confused. (laughs) Yeah, that was a head scratcher for me too, from Joe. I just, you know, Joe has been, like you said, he's been pulling him early, consistently telling, talking about building up his confidence, making sure he's leaving on a high note. And the seventh was the absolute right time to do that. It was the right time by pitch count. It was the right time by his expression. It was the right time by the result. Uh, and so for, for him all of a sudden to make this jump from never pitched in the seventh inning with the Cubs to now we're going to start the eighth after totally giving it every last bit of energy in the seventh was just I that was really a little bit bizarre yeah I mean again you just you really like to see Darvish have the outing that he did that was refreshing to see his line is not the best but I think you you actually you can't really judge him based on that I know that sounds ridiculous because that obviously is what pitchers are judged on but I, I feel like he just he looked a lot better than his line states and then you know he had the opportunity to finish that on a high note and, and walk away with a great taste in his mouth and, you know, hopefully gain some momentum going into the next outing. And that was kind of taken away from him. So hopefully he can bounce back and have, have a great start his upcoming, but I feel like we're, we're getting there. And and you hate to say that because he's, you're like, he's a major league pitcher. He makes all this money. He needs to be there. I get that, but different situation. He's getting there. He's showing us his stuff. He's, you know, really pushing for those longer outings, which I love to see. So you have to give him what credit you can. And at this point in time, that's where we're at. So hopefully he's, you know, going to push that momentum into his next start and we see an even better you Darvish then. Yeah. Uh, After you Darvish uh, gave up the lead and the game was tied, the Cubs came back in the eighth and managed to piece piece together a bit of a rally which was outstanding to see. And then, and Andy, I'm going to turn this one over to you because you definitely called this on our last episode. Tyler Chatwood came out of the pen to make his first uh, appearance as a closer since 2017. So what are your thoughts on Tyler Chatwood, Cubs closer 2019? Well, you already know. I mean, I was pretty amped the other day when we were talking about Tyler Chatwood. And I, I don't think I could I don't think I've ever been more hot and cold on one person um in less than a year. I mean, this guy has totally he is redemption tour 2019 and I am all here for it. He looked amazing. I mean, we're not even gonna talk about his bat, right? I know I joked about that on Friday, but um 
pitching wise, I mean, it's so great to see him out there and to do what he is doing. You know, his teammates are behind him. They see the work he's put in. They see what he's done to be where he's at. And, you know, this is crazy. And I don't even know if we touched on this, but I've, I've thought this quite a bit, but it's funny when we talk about what kind of package we'd put together for a closer. And isn't it funny? And I did say this, I do remember that now I did say, it's funny how we think we would want Montgomery to go before Chatwood. And last year it was like, no way. It was Chatwood definitely needed to go. We, you know, we, we, we didn't have any interest in him, obviously with the contract he signed, that wasn't happening, but just saying, right. You know, as far as his performance wise, you know, he was the one that we felt was expendable. And now I'm like, no way you can't touch him. He's been so huge for us and it's been really a bright spot and it's fun to watch. And I love Tyler Chatwood. I'm actually going to order a jersey after we hang up. I'm on it. I'm doing it. It's happening. Oh, that's awesome. Are you going to, you should wear that when you make your next trip to Wrigley. I think I will. I think I will. In fairness. My friends might... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say my friends might ask who he is because, you know, he's not one of the big name Chicago players, but I'm going to make him a big name Chicago player. I am here for the Tyler Chatwood redemption tour 2019. I'm ready. (laughs) I I have no doubt that you are going to keep the Tyler Chatwood fan bus going. Um, I was just going to say that I, I, I do still think that Tyler Chatwood's contract makes him less movable than Mike Montgomery. Montgomery has a substantially more attractive uh, contract and payment um, due attached to him. So I think that he's still a more likely trade piece. Although I, frankly, I don't, if they can get this bullpen together, get stroke back, somehow Morrow becomes healthy. I would like to keep both of them because I think having both of those weapons for long relief out of the pen is really important. And they're both really critical pieces of this team, particularly when you have an older starting rotation that isn't always fireballing and lights out with you know 11 strikeouts or whatever uh we're going to talk about fireballers and 11 strikeouts later <laughs> yeah I 100% agree with that and I think just how we've seen up to this point in this season that they are definitely crucial pieces to um getting us through a, a, an entire game you know with with some stability so I definitely agree with that I, it, you know but at the same time it's like at this we've talked about it. What wouldn't you give up for a closer at this point, seeing as how, you know, we've lost a couple of games in late innings. So, I mean, you just, I, like, I've always told myself, I have to keep an open mind. Obviously this is a business. We become attached to certain players, but you know, the bottom line is we got to get those wins where we can. And, you know, when it's your bullpen, that's blowing some of those up, you definitely, you got to do something and you have to be open to whatever happens. Now I would, I would be very, disappointed if it were if it were to include Tyler Chatwood but like you said you know contract wise it's probably not going to happen we'll we'll just have to see but I, I I'm really loving where he's at right now and I just I see him being a difference maker this year and I'm I'm here for it um I don't want to let it go unnoticed that Anthony Rizzo has an eight game hitting streak heading into Houston so he's really stepping it up lately it's nice to see that he seems to be fully recovered from whatever back tightness was bothering him earlier in the month. And before we go to break, just really quickly, the Cubs are still in first place, even though it doesn't feel like it after that series with the Reds, they have a game and a half lead over the Brewers who did win yesterday. The Cardinals really kind of blew. I mean, I don't know what else to say. They blew it on Sunday night baseball. Andy, did you get to catch any of this game? 
I didn't. And um, it was funny because I first checked the score. My husband asked me to look at the um, what the score was early on. I think it was maybe the fifth inning and it was two to nothing Cardinals. So I'm like, yeah, you know, it, that feels like a, a they could cruise to a victory after that. Nope. No, <laughs> no they did not. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of bullpen troubles, I so they had a 3-0 lead in the ninth inning, and the and really it looked like they were just gonna finish out the game. They brought in their closer Hicks, who throws about 104 miles an hour, or something ridiculous. But they gave up everything. Um, they wound up the score was tied three-three in. By the time the ninth was over, they had gone through three pitchers. It was really just one of those performances that I mean, that if you're a Cardinals fan, you've got to cringe on that one. I was definitely cheering for the Braves in that situation, and the Braves came back and won. So uh, the Cardinals are a 500 ball club right now. The only reason that they are ahead of the Pirates in the standings is because the Cardinals have played two more games. They are 26 and 26. The Pirates are 25 and 25. That is a functional tie. And the Reds, despite their heroics at Wrigley Field, are still in last place. Uh, on the, We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. But on the flip side, we are going to look ahead to a matchup of first place teams between the Cubs and the Astros. And we're back. This is going to be a tough series. for. I feel like this Astros series is going to be even tougher than the Philly series that we just had. What are your initial thoughts, Andy? Well, we've just kind of been conditioned the past couple of years to feel like Houston is a tough team and they, they just consistently have been. And, you know, it does scare me going into this series. Like I don't feel great about this and it has less to do with the Astros than it does with how the Cubs are playing. Um, I really, there was a point in this season where, and I think I even made the comment, this team is hard to, it's going to be hard to beat by any team, the Cubs. Um, how they were playing, just everything at that point in time was just clicking. And right now it feels like everything has stopped clicking. So I'm hoping that, you know, we can at least string together some solid baseball, maybe get, you know, some momentum, get our bats going. I know um, Javi is in the DH today, which is different, um, you know, but they're without a couple of their main main pieces. So if we're going to take advantage of this, of beating this team and and have the ability to do it, what better time to do it when they're missing, you know, they're missing Springer, they're missing Altuve and we're not set to, to face um, Justin Verlander. So it's a perfect time to to string together a couple wins. If we can, we got to scrape these out. You know, I imagine they will be very close, low scoring games, but again, you know, baseball is going to baseball. We'll see what happens. Yeah, prior to yesterday, I was looking ahead to the series and I thought, hey, the Cubs might have a shot here. KB's been really hot. Jason Hayward looked like he was heating up. The Astros are dealing with some injuries to some key players. You mentioned uh, both Altuve and George Springer are on the disabled list. The, the Cubs will not have to face Justin Verlander in this series. The toughest pitcher they're going to face is Garrett Cole. That will be the Cole-Cole matchup today, this afternoon, between Cole Hamels and Garrett Cole. We'll talk more about him in a second. The other matchups are John Lester and Corbin Martin, who's a really interesting rookie pitcher for the Astros making his fourth start. Kyle Hendricks versus Wade Miley. And you feel like if the Cubs are healthy and the Astros are sort of dinged up, those are some pretty favorable pitching matchups. 
for the Chicago Cubs. And now the Cubs don't appear to be healthy either. I'm looking at today's lineup on Twitter and a friend of mine said it looks like a spring training split game lineup and he is not wrong. Yeah, I kind of I kind of cringed when I saw this and I didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> we'll but, bring it up. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what we're here for. <laughs> it's this is this is going to be this is going to be interesting. But you know, to try and um try and weave some positivity into this. There have been a couple lineups this year that have surprised me with how they've produced. So I'm not going to complete, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put a positive spin on this because I did tell you pre-show, I didn't have very many nice things to say. So I'm trying to be nice right now, but I feel like this might be a lineup that could surprise us. I mean, we'll see, we'll see, but it, it is very different. Um, obviously we have a Ducci and, and right. That's, um, that's going to be interesting. I'll be, I'll be curious to watch, watch him. Um, yeah, just so, just so our listeners, if in case they're listening before the game and haven't had a chance to look at the lineup, Yet no. Kyle Schwarber still solidly in the leadoff spot in left field. Javi Baez will be DHing second. Uh, Anthony Rizzo is up next on first base. Wilson Contreras is your cleanup hitter at catcher. Aducci is playing right field. Albert Almora Jr. is playing center. Seventh in the lineup is Daniel Descalso at second base. Addison Russell will bat eighth and play shortstop. And David Bodie will bat ninth and play third base. And really that lineup just kind of drops off a cliff after Wilson Contreras. Yeah. I'm, we'll have to see how this goes, but I mean, you know, we took a couple shots yesterday, have some big pieces of our defense out. So, um, you know, like I said, hopefully we can just get through this and maybe walk away with a win. It's going to be, it's not going to be easy. We need to get these guys back and get healthy and we need to get back on a, on a win streak. We had, you know, such, such good momentum going a couple weeks ago and we just have struggled to find that again. And, you know, we will, it's a long season. It just, you, you know, and it's going to be hard against a team like Houston, but if we can, then that's, you know, all the more power to us. And, and it's got to feel that much better against a team like Houston. So we'll see. Hopefully they surprise us. Winning this game would feel a little bit like stealing a game to me. I mean, I, I'm not saying like like with the lineup that's out there, it feels a little bit like Joe's almost at treating this like a rest day. And I realize that the Cubs have played a ton of games in a row and that they don't have an off day till Thursday, but they're they're facing Garrett Cole. Uh don't let the four point eleven ERA fool you. Cole's fifth is actually a lot better than that at 3.01 and and this this blew my mind when I looked it up this morning he is striking out a lot of guys and by a lot of guys I mean he is leading the major leagues with a k per nine of 13.71 so remember when we went into the national series and Andy and I had some concerns about the number of strikeouts that Scherzer and Strasburg had well Garrett Cole has more and the Cubs like to swing. Yeah, I could be I, a lot of strikeouts today. I just looked at his strikeout numbers and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> uh, Cole Hamill strikes out some guys too, but nowhere near as many as Garrett Cole. So it, there's yeah. a lot of kids on this Memorial Day in Houston. Tomorrow, John Lester will face Corbin Martin, and Martin's kind of interesting. He is a rookie pitcher for the Astros. He replaced Colin McHugh in the lineup. He has a fastball that touches 97 
but he's had some issues with his command. He lost his last two games against the Red Sox and the White Sox. And then uh, the third game in the series, we'll see Kyle Hendricks face off against Wade, our old friend Wade Miley. <laughs> Miley, who kind of runs around and is at all, uh, has been with quite a few teams over the last few years. Most recently, we saw him with the Brewers. And he's having basically the reverse year of Garrett Cole. His ERA is substantially better than his fifth, and he doesn't strike out anyone. He his K for nine is six point five. Yeah, that's crazy. And he's five and two also. That's I mean, it's crazy to me how this works. But yeah, that that those numbers are I don't think gonna be very indicative of how the, the matchup actually goes. Yeah, totally. I mean I Wade Miley has been an interesting pitcher to watch. He's just sort of managed to get it done the last few years. And you never know. I, one of the things that I've noticed with the Cubs is that sometimes they come out just slugging and with a perfect plan against some of the better pitchers and then don't seem to have quite as good of a plan against some lesser known names. So I'm really interested to see how they do against particularly Corbin Martin, who is a pitcher that they haven't seen before. Uh, I imagine that it might take them a little bit of time to get heated up, or, but if they, you know, are, are waiting for their walks and really making him repeat his delivery and show some good command, they could, they could do some damage there. Yeah. The key is definitely going to be patience. So we'll see how well that works for them and, and if they're able to, you know, be selective and work him into counts, but I, I could see that definitely going in their favor if they're able to, to get that done. Absolutely. And then a couple of players to watch in this series. You know, we already mentioned that the Astros are a little bit banged up. uh, Altuve and Springer are both on the disabled list. We will not see them this series. But third baseman Alex Bregman is having an outstanding year. In fact, him and Chris Bryant are currently the top two third basemen in Fangraph's war. Uh, Bregman has a 2.5 F war and KB has a 2.3 their slash lines are also eerily similar, although KB has a much better batting average. Uh, Bregman is slashing 262, 390, 546, and KB is slashing a slightly better 283, 405, 567. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see those two matched up. Um, Bregman, is is he's got some notoriety going right now. I mean, they definitely, they like to talk about him and, you know, he's he's one of the best at his position, so it'll be great to see him and Chris Bryant in the same series. Hopefully I, we see them in the same series. I got to admit, I kind of love Bregman and his notoriety. Like, the whole evil Bregman thing is pretty great. And if we're talking about a battle between Team Bregman and Team Trevor Bauer, I am totally Team Bregman. Uh, 100%. So for those of you who haven't seen this, there's been a little bit of a war of words back and forth between Bregman and Bauer. And to be fair, Bregman kind of will, he will trash talk. Like he takes to social media and he'll do a little bit of bragging and a little bit of trash talking to people other than Bauer. But there's been this back and forth where Bauer keeps trying to like challenge Bregman and Bregman's like, and Bregman does his comebacks. Uh, Bauer got the best of that the last time the Indians and Astros matched up. And I believe there was a post-game interview where Bregman was asked if it was like all in fun and if they were friends and he just kind of looked at the camera deadpan and was like, no, we're not friends. I don't, does, I don't think Trevor Bauer has any friends, but I, I think that's, I mean, if you follow him at all on Twitter, you would understand why I say that. Yeah. He's a little, 
he rubs me the wrong way and that whole thing where he went back and forth kind of harassing some a woman who was actually a fan of Bregman's uh who had the audacity to say that you know she was team Bregman was that was a bad look for Trevor Bauer I mean he actually like goes out and looks for people talking bad about him and then will start an exchange with them and like to me like that's you have entirely too much time on your hands. Like, shouldn't you be like at the gym or like, you know, meal planning or something? Like, why are you on Twitter harassing these people? Meal planning. I was gonna say it's probably more likely that he's playing with a drone. <laughs> yeah, he's playing his video games. Um, no oh offense God. to people who play with drones. Drones are great. Should probably not play with drones when you need to pitch in the World Series, though. Or do and lose. <laughs> <laughs> that was great 2016 was awesome <laughs> maybe the Cubs can channel their inner 2016 in this Astros series and all will be well a couple other players that we are watching aside from Alex Bregman Carlos Correa is healthy and playing shortstop he is this in this is F war by F war again um he is the tied for sixth best shortstop in the majors right now Javi is second although apparently not the shortstop today. <laughs> um, I imagine we'll see him at short before the series is over. And then one interesting player who I'll be keeping an eye on, Michael Brantley is having a really nice comeback season in the outfield for the Astros. And I've been keeping an eye on this for a couple of years now. He really has been bit by the injury bug and just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Didn't look particularly impressive with the Indians. And it looks like he's having a resurgence in Houston, he's slashing 320, 368, 537, which is pretty outstanding. So it'll be interesting to see. Keep an eye on Mike Michael Brantley during the series. Definitely. Always nice to see players make a good comeback. And in uh, news that will shock no one, the Astros bullpen has been a lot better than the Cubs. <laughs> uh, the Astros bullpen is the fifth best bullpen in the majors by a bunch of different metrics and and the Cubs the Cubs is not <laughs> uh, yeah I'm I'm not shocked <laughs> I don't even know you know we basically need Cole Hamels John Lester and Kyle Hendricks to all pitch into like the seventh or eighth inning in these games <laughs> I mean that's not too much to ask right uh, no not at all like back to back to back almost complete games or complete games <laughs> yeah I don't think that's too much to ask oh um, anything else you're going to be looking for in this series, Andy? I think I have tapped out my interesting factoids on the Astros. <laughs> no, it's always, it's always fun to, to get, um, a series like, like this in early in the season, because you just don't know what these teams are going to look like towards the end. And, you know, if you're a hopeful Cubs, Cubs fan, like most of us are right now, you hope that the next time we see these guys is in October or possibly beginning of November. So, um, Let's. I'm just excited to see how this goes. And again, it's these teams are probably going to look a lot different the next time we hopefully see them. But it's always fun to to kind of gauge where we're at with a team like this. So um, I'm ready. I just hope that we can pull out a couple wins and and get this team back on the track that they were on. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It would be awesome to have some big wins here against a great team. The Astros have been playing outstanding baseball admittedly in a division that is a lot weaker than the national league central uh if the cubs could take two out of three in this series that would feel outstanding that would be a great result 
for this series, particularly given the state of this team and the way the lineup is kind of banged up right now. So we'll be watching for that. We hope you're having a great Memorial Day, however you are celebrating your holiday. And we will be back to preview the Cardinals series and look back at how this series with the Astros went on the Cubs off day on Thursday. Have a great start to your week and have a great Memorial Day. Bye.